Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. Real Estate Coaching Radio, we're your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We're broadcasting live from lovely Austin, Texas. Julie, welcome to today's radio show. Thank you. It's going to be a fun show and a direct result of some special requests right out of our podcast listeners as well as our premier coaching members. So we aim to please and we do pay attention to your special requests. So I think it'll be a fun show. So guys, we're coming up on the mid-year. I know it's unbelievable to actually consider that, but it's true. And I'm going to, on this, uh, to start out today's show, I'm going to intentionally do my best to create a little anxiety in all of you. And I'm doing that because oftentimes a lot of you, and I know this is true for many of our listeners and certainly our coaching clients, you guys are having your best years ever. The tendency is going to be to start, uh, stop uh, doing what it, was, what it was that you were doing in the first place to get you to where you are now. So if you look back, the money you're making now, the transactions you're transacting now, the listings you're taking now, chances are you've been in communication with those people for months uh, maybe some days or some some markets is six months. Now finally the listing sold. Maybe it's you know 60 days ago it was an expired call. Now finally the listing sold and you're going to get paid on it. So what you guys need to always remember is the time frame between the the original initial contact and when you get paid can be months. And if you're not taking that into consideration, you're going to find yourself with big ups and downs in income. That goes back to the reason why you always have to do what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level and do the, the work that's required uh, every single day, your three to five minimum standards. That's always what we're going to always bring this podcast back to. Uh, back to is the understanding that very rarely will you wake up in the morning and actually want to do the work that's necessary for you to actually move your business forward and essentially become rich. Very rarely are you going to feel like that and, and lacking that kind of passion or lacking that kind of emotion is normal. There's very, it, it just is very, uh, it's almost impossible that you come across anybody that truly loves, loves, loves real estate. They're just essentially you know, it's the thing that they dream about. It's their absolute driving force in life. No, real estate itself is a means to an end, and that's the way to think about it. And there's been a lot of, I think, a lot of uh, folks that have gotten off the path with that, and we see that with the branding and the marketing and some of the other things. All those things have a place in your real estate practice, but they aren't to replace the whole core point of your business, which is to make profit. So here's the thought I want to share with all of you guys. We're coming up on June 1st, right? Hopefully all of you will have a nice weekend, but remember we asked you all to work this weekend. We asked you guys to make sure you're working next week, too. Do not take next week off. Make sure you're working Wednesday and Thursday, last day of the month, first day of the month, always the most expired. But here's the thing. We have six months effectively left this year. So some of you are thinking, I have 180 days left this year to work to get my results. Maybe you're kind of lagging what you wanted to be. Maybe some of you are part-timers and you're just getting into the real estate business and you're thinking, oh, I got six months. You don't have six months. You might have six months on the calendar, but I promise you, you do not have 180 working days left. 
So here's what you do. Think about December. How many of you are actually working a full month in December? Well, I imagine you know a few hands went up when I asked that question. But you can work all you want, but the truth is not very many people are going to want to transact. That's not a bad mindset. That's just a fact. Look at the numbers in your MLS. So if you look at uh, December, you effectively have 10 working days in December. November is going to be the same thing. You have 10 working days in November, holiday again. Then October, you have essentially maybe three or 15 working days, three weeks or three, 15 working days in October, because a lot of people take the last week off now for Halloween. I don't know why it is. You know, people don't want to call me after Halloween, and you know they I'll have other why, things going on. They didn't work in the summer, and they're hungry, and they're going to get candy. That's yeah. the only answer. Well, no, I wasn't talking about real estate agents, but yes. So then we go oh. back. Then we go back into August, and then you have kids going back to school. Then you go back in July. Then you have the Fourth of July, and then June you have kids getting out of school. So from June first to the end of the year, we have constant never-ending disruptions to your work cycle because of the nature of family obligations. But even if you are somebody who's going to work, no matter what's going on, no matter what the holidays are, I'm going to repeat this, it doesn't mean you'll do any business because you won't, be wanting, you won't find anyone who want to do business with you because they're all going to be at the beach or they're going to be out collecting candy or they're going to be basting their turkeys. Do you guys get the idea? So if you actually are being honest with yourself and you look at a calendar from June 1st all the way through the end of the year and you mark out the number of working days you actually have left, now, look, are you going to be taking some vacations? Yes. Are you going to be taking some weekends off? Yes. Are you going to be taking – going, you know, whatever. And you add up how many actual working days you have left, you'll be – it'll absolutely be stunning. Most of you, if you're being honest, add it up, you have maybe 60 to 70 working days left this year. Some of you are going to even have less. Some of you basically stop working as soon as you get your third dealing contract for the year and you got enough money to take your kids to Disneyland. I get it. But really, guys, the reality of it is is that, yes, this is the selling season, but it's all, you have to be omnipresent, uh, completely, totally uh, focused on the fact that if you are not doing what you're supposed to be doing every single day at the highest level, the rest of the year is going to fly by and you're going to, you look back and you're going to say, I had a great first half of the year, then it fell off the cliff the second half of the year. It's for the reason I just stated. And that's what a lot of you guys suffer. If you look back in your real estate businesses, if you look back in the years past, you'll see a lot of you guys make the most amount of your money in second quarter and then part of third quarter. And the reason you're making money in third quarter is because you were working in second quarter and then your fourth quarter and your first quarter are basic, you know, they suck. And that's why I just told you why. You have to work against that natural sort of, you know, the natural ebbs and flows in the marketplace. You have to be aware of it. So that means that you can't change it. You can't make someone want to meet with you on Thanksgiving, right? You know, you can't change that. You can't be working your real estate business when you're on vacation with your family in Paris or wherever you go on vacation. Those are all fine things. So that means on the days that you're working, you have to be working. You have to say, these are the three to five minimum standards I set for myself, and those three to five minimum standards have to be focused on lead generation, have to be focused on pre-qualification, going on appointments, negotiating contracts, and closing contracts. Those are where your best activities have to be every day, and you have to do it every day no matter how you feel, no matter what else you've got going on. That's how you've got to look at things. You've got to kind of introduce a little bit of healthy scarcity as far as the number of working days you have left the rest of the year, you have to be honest with yourself about that and then say, okay, look, on the days I'm going to be working, take a calendar. Matter of fact, this is your homework. All of our coaching clients, make sure you do this. Take a calendar, 
and literally mark with a red pen or whatever the days you're going to be working in the rest of the year, and I want you to post pictures of your calendar on the private Facebook group if you dare. And then just be completely transparent with yourself. Now, here's the other thing it gives you. On the days where you're really drilled down and you're working, in that calendar you know, on your wall, you can then see, okay, look, I'm going to work my ass off these next three weeks because I know the last week in this month I'm not going to have to work at all. So I'm really going to drill down, and I'm really going to accomplish those three to five things that I'm going to set for myself as minimum standards every single day. And that's how you guys win. It's the discipline of the doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level that wins the day. It's not a secret. It's not magic. It's not a digital ad. It's not a fancy website. It's not anything else other than the real work. All those other things are just basic. They're enhancements. If, if enhancements at all, they're enhancements. They can't replace the real work. So today's podcast is we're focusing on the 12-week seller communication plan. A lot of you guys have listings. And you're starting to experience the fact that the listings are starting to take longer to sell. And some of you guys are going, OMG, what am I going to do with these sellers? My paradigm has always been that stuff sells in two seconds and I don't have to do anything uh, but basically, you know, essentially list the house and then all of a sudden the offers flood in. Well, that's starting to change in lots of parts of the market. Jill, you had some great notes on basically what we're hearing from coaching clients about the market is shifting. Then let's get to our 12-week seller communication plan. Yes, you got it. And so the shift in your market could be from having 10 to 20 offers and choose one by this afternoon and it's sold to only yeah. having a couple of offers. And, oh, my gosh, seem, seems like things might be slowing down. And then maybe it's sitting on the, the market for a week and you only have one offer. Then all of a sudden maybe you don't have full listing price or over listing price offers. So there are many different flavors of a shift. You might not just be going from 20 offers to nothing just like that, although some of our Canadian clients are reporting that for various reasons. So shifting can mean many different things. We are hearing that you're dealing with type, these types of things. For example, I've heard this from, I don't know, at least 20 uh, coaching clients where it sounds like this. I think I may have over-promised and under-delivered on several of my latest listings. Not on all of them, but on a few of them where they're not selling immediately with multiple offers like I promised the seller because the conditions at the time I took the listing seem to be different than what I'm living in now. So we're hearing that. We've had questions of what to say when the listing sits instead of sells. How to update sellers other than simply saying, drop the price, drop the price, drop the price. This is one of the most common complaints that our expired prospecting agents hear is that the previous agent, if they called at all, only called to say, time to drop the price. Well, guess what? Sellers don't really love that conversation, especially when it's repetitive and it's the only thing that you're telling them. So you're not allowed to do that. Okay, so if we're not going to do it that way, how do you update sellers other than drop the price how to monitor what's actually happening in the market on basically a daily basis, and then how to make sure you actually are the agent when it sells versus being the one it expired on. We have a rule in our premier coaching team that you're only allowed to go after expired. You're not allowed to have any. So well, we're kind so of getting the down secret, to the nitty-gritty on that. Go ahead. The secret to being a successful listing agent, we're about to give it to you. This is the big reveal. Ready? The secret to being a successful listing agent is having the listing when it sells. Right? I mean, that's it. It's the oldest real estate joke ever. But the secret to being a successful listing agent is having the listing when it sells. And some, and I know some of you guys are in these paradigms where you think things sell, they sell themselves, they sell instantly. But what you're going to see the second half of the year is you're going to see some of the uh, balloon that's going to start to deflate. 
And if you don't know how to basically adjust the seller's expectations as far as what to expect while the house is for sale with you, you're going to have that listing expire. And they're going to pull the listing from you if you don't have it sold within, say, 60 days or whatever they thought it should take because they had unrealistic expectations because you didn't set the table correctly, letting them know about what was actually happening in the marketplace because maybe you didn't know because you hadn't been paying attention to this thing. You know, all the little facts that Julie just shared with you. So, you know, uh, Julie, you have any other related points to this? Or can we get to our 12-week well, plan? Yeah. So related to this is what do you actually do when you take a new listing? Some of you guys have asked that, and that's not necessarily a newbie question. That's questions from agents that have only had a career when it, where it didn't really matter what you did when you took a new listing. As long as you had it priced reasonably well, it would be sold. So what is the plan that I can then deploy every time and systematize how I handle my listing? So we're going to talk about all of that through our 12-week seller communication plan. Now, some of you are going, my God, I have to talk to him for 12 weeks? Well, maybe. Hopefully not. But at some point, <laughs> hopefully not, at some point it becomes price, price, or price. But we want you to work to not having that be your only script. So the 12-week seller communication plan, remember that communication is everything. Keeping your sellers informed, keeping them happy, means that you will be the agent with the listing when it actually sells. Customer service, of course, creates repeat and referral business. Lack of customer service or poor customer service destroys repeat and referral business. It's impossible for you to over-communicate. So some of you may feel like this is a little bit of overkill. That's because you may not have had to do it before or because you weren't this detailed before. I, I can promise you the sellers are not thinking that way. No, no faster way to make a seller mad than to just not talk to them. So price reductions also are much easier to execute if you get your pre-signed agreements when you have the listing agreement signed. But even if you don't do a pre-signed reduction agreement, your price reductions, if you have to do them, are far easier when you've been communicating with the seller about what you're actually doing to get the home sold. And Tim, there's a little tiny typo. There's numbers in that first line. I don't know why it says 323 there. That has to go. So uh, day one, what do you do when you take a listing? It's day one. You've got everything signed. So you're going to confirm that you're either putting the sign in the yard or your company is. You're letting your seller know what happens next. So note to self, you guys who have pre-listing packages, there's this thing called the listing plan of action, which is what you promised the seller you would be doing. Make sure you follow that and make sure there's nothing on there that you don't do because that's what they think you're doing. So you're going to let the seller know what happens next. The MLS photographer shows up or you do your own photos. So you've got to talk about how that's going to happen, confirm the appointment. Home brochures under construction. Let them know and please don't call them flyers. They're home brochures. You need to edit that too because the brochures under construction is kind of ambiguous. Oh, by the way, guys uh, – Coaching clients, this is on the website. Uh, Julie's going to fix that edit too. So, yep. so brochures being created versus under construction because that's going to confuse right. agents to think that yep. we're talking about new construction. So edit that. Exactly. And uh, the brochures, so I'm going to go just to take a half step back. Uh, again, what Julie said was incredibly important. The sellers need to see what's actually happening. You can take this form, uh, coaching clients, and you can actually make this into a checklist, and you can embellish it. You, uh, matter of fact, on our on the website, you have a uh, book that you're supposed to give to the sellers. This is in that book, and it basically works out to uh, be a complete home selling guide. Matter of fact, I think that's what it's called. Correct, Julie? Did you proven update that name, or is that what it's called? It's yes. Okay. So that's on the website. 
you can download that and then uh, give that to your sellers after you have the houses listed. It's kind of like the manual of what's going to happen while they have the house listed with you. That's how that works. So sure, um, definitely staging and things like that. Yep. Right. Lockbox being installed. Um, you know, the showing instructions confirmed. Now, here's and there's a couple other things. Review with seller how they'll receive feedback. Now, that's really actually kind of an, an often overlooked, but a, a very important aspect of having a house for sale. You need to give your sellers a choice. Do they want to have somebody calling them and giving them feedback, like and someone on your staff, or would they prefer to get it digitally from like you know homefeedback.com? It's called Showing Time now. Would they prefer to get you know how do they want the feedback, or do they want feedback at all? And so one of the things you can do is when you list their property, have a checklist where you're going to ask them those questions as far as basically like, you know, do they have any, uh, you know, do they have any preferences in how they receive feedback and have them tell you how they want the feedback opposed to you just making the assumption. So you could have someone on your staff and the someone on your staff then basically would uh, call every time they got feedback. So they're going to have to chase the other agents. They're going to have to, you know, call them and, you know, get the answers, a basic, you know, condition uh, positioning, a.k.a. price, you know, suggested improvement, suggested price uh, from the co-op. Did your buyers buy anything? What other questions you want to answer? Don't make it too long or the other agents won't answer them. And then as soon as they get that feedback, they need to call the seller and give the feedback to the seller. Now, here's the magical thing that happens when you give really great feedback, especially when it comes from a disinterested third party, like somebody that doesn't even have a real estate license, that you're just basically an assistant. Now, I'm not suggesting they talk price. They're just passing along information, right? Um, so the uh, benefit is is that you have this nice person, hopefully very sweet, nice person. It's very you know, talk easy to communicate with. Uh, I was going to say talk uh, likes to talk talkative, but that might be a bad thing because most of your sellers aren't going to want to you know have be on the phone for a long period of time. But if you have this person, if they have a very warm nature, they'll actually start easily getting price reductions by accident because they'll be calling up this unit seller and they'll say, look, we had another showing the other day. This is what they thought. This is what the exact feedback that they gave. And because they're not you, because they're, the seller's not going to necessarily um, have their guard up because, you know, with you, they're always going to anticipate a price change because you have somebody nice that's calling and giving them the feedback that's not a salesperson. You guys getting what I'm saying here? The seller will actually start communicating with that person and letting them know what they're actually thinking. And you're going to get all kinds of good information. You know, uh, Tim just wanted me to remind you that the house has been for sale now for two weeks or ten showings, and we're going to be repositioning the house on the market after this weekend, and uh, Tim will be following up with you about what the new price will be. That will be like something you could add into your communication plan with your person that's doing the feedback. Do you guys see the benefit of this? So. From the seller's perspective, this is a level of service that they've never had before because most agents just plug them into showing time or essentially some version of that, and then they forget about them, and they never follow up with feedback. Sellers live for feedback. Think about what a massive inconvenience it is for that seller to basically position the house, condition it, vacuum it, clean it, get the heck out, be disrupted, you know, the whole thing. And to not get feedback or not get really good feedback, it's an insult. It pisses them off, and they're going it to take that out on you. And by the way, yes, don't think does. that they're not down the street watching to see if somebody shows up for the showing either. That's and if right. nobody shows up and you don't know it and you don't say anything about it, now you're having terrible communication and they're wondering why they listed with you. And if all of that happens in the first week, that's recipe to get a cancellation. Okay. Yep. Some of you are in markets where feedback is not standard, especially on the West Coast. You guys kind of blow this off. 
just like the pre-listing package, just because you don't think anybody in your office is doing it doesn't justify you not doing it. Quite the opposite. Be the one who does give feedback. Be the one who does communicate. That way, when the neighbor's talking to them about the fact they haven't heard from their agent in 60 days and their house isn't selling and they don't know why, that your client can say, I don't know who you listed with, but my agent calls me practically every week letting me know what's going on, and I'm confident my house is going to sell. Okay, so be the one who's different, even if feedback is unusual in your marketplace. Okay. Sellers so, will sometimes again, not yes. give you a price reduction just because they're pissed off at you. Sometimes That's true. the That's sellers so will. True. Yep, they'll uh, literally not lower a price because they're mad at you, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Even though it works against their motivation, they will be mad because you didn't call them with feedback. I mean, guys, if you're new to the listing into the business, there's a fair amount of psychology. The only way you're going to win is service the heck out of your sellers. If you're one of our great clients and you have dozens of listings and there's too many sellers for you to service the heck out of, then hire folks to work with you that are going to have that high level of service mindset. And then whatever they think is a high level of service, you know, amplify it, multiply it times 10, and then you're going to just barely make the seller's expectations. That's how you get referrals as listing agents. That's how you'll get essentially, uh, you know, the neighbors listing with you because they're so happy. Even if the house isn't sold, they're not going to badmouth you. They're going to be enthusiastic about the service you're providing. So go ahead, Julie. Yes, and this is all really happening. I mean, feedback happens ongoing as showings happen. But we've been talking about day one, confirming that the sign is in, confirming that the photography is happening, the lockbox is installed, the showing instructions are confirmed. You know, you screw any of these things up in that first 24 to 48 hours, you're going to have trouble going forward. And this is when they're most sensitive. Because remember, you got the listing because you had a killer listing presentation. Whether that means you beat other agents or not, the seller believes in you and they believe in what your pitch was. So if you drop the ball immediately after that, and some of you guys that are really great presenters, you have this issue because you love to present and it's like showtime. And then you got the listing and you're almost deflated. It's almost anticlimactic. And you kind of forget to take care of them immediately. So be careful with that and turn this into a checklist. Things like a simple thank you card, a handwritten note that you send or that you pop into their mailbox on the way out of taking the listing, that happens all in the first very uh, few days. Then still during week one, you now have it in the MLS. You're going to send them a copy of the MLS. You can email it to them. You can do hard copy. Ask them to check for accuracy. Now, some of you guys are saying that's the last thing I want to do is have to edit the MLS because it took me so long to get it in there, and I think it's right, and I don't need the seller meddling. Well, guess what? They're going to go to Realtor.com and look it up anyway. And if you didn't give them the courtesy of saying, hey, make sure I got this all accurate, again, here's a place where you can lose them. And let's say that it was that plus they didn't get feedback from their first showing. You can see how sellers will get contentious with you. All right. Now, and some of you guys are not strong listing agents because this type of thing happened to you once and it turned you off to listing. It's because you didn't have a system. We're correcting that today. Okay. So, again, week one, ask the seller if they have any uh, questions regarding staging the home, work that still needs completed, steaming the carpets, you know, whatever may be the case. Make your 800 home hotline recording. Make sure the seller has listened to it and understands how it works. Get your brochures made and installed on the sign. Again, I don't care if you're the only sign in the neighborhood with a brochure box. That's a good thing. Make sure you're doing it. Make sure the seller has 50 copies to stuff their brochure box on their own, which is one of your major complaints why you don't like doing it. I don't like to show up and stuff the box. Make the seller do it. Okay, so install home brochures inside the home for showings in a nice little clear holder or something that looks professional. Again, feedback from any early showings. 
Ask the seller if they have any questions about the process. Send call around the home, uh, just listed calls, cards, etc. if that's something that is on your list. Tell the seller what you're doing, how many cards you're sending, how many contacts you've made. Are you doing a sneak preview open house? We talked about um, coming soon strategies in the past couple of podcasts, so that would be appropriate here as well. Schedule your open houses, your sneak preview open houses, your broker open houses, set up your virtual tours. All of this happens in the first week. Some of you are doing drone tours. That's fine too. But remember, you have to tell the seller everything you're doing. So Tim, if you're not communicating with the seller, what do they think that you're doing as an agent? Do they think you're doing all this stuff? They think you're doing I mean, nothing. What do sellers That's come it. up with? Yeah, they, they think they you're doing, think you're doing nothing. So a lot of you yeah. guys have the advantage of uh, using uh, CRMs that basically will communicate with sellers and kind of give them optics on what you're actually doing after the property is listed. But where those CRMs fall short is essentially the service end of things, and that's where you have to pick up the pieces. That's where you guys become superstars because you outservice your you, you outservice your seller's expectation. And that's really what we're talking about. That's what we focus on. You know, there was Julie touched on the brochures in the house, for example. There's another example for you guys a way for you guys to shine. And it's so easy to make kick ass brochures nowadays. There's so many companies. There's local guys that do it. If you've never listed a house before and you get a, a listing and you want to know what to do as far as home brochures Ask agents in your office, and I promise you there's probably a dozen companies in town who have little cottage businesses where they'll go out and take pictures, and they'll do great brochures for you. Um, you know, One of the good ideas is to have differing levels of brochures depending on the price of the seller's house. So if the house is really super expensive, you want to have in your possession, in your pitch material, in your listing presentation, maybe a sample of a really high-end brochure so they can see what they get. Inside the house, and Julie, I was surprised you didn't have this on your outline, but inside the house, have a basket. And the basket, uh, where uh, you, when they walk in the house, literally have a basket. Now, there's a couple cool alternatives for this, but the basket should say, with a sign attached to it, please put on these shoe covers that, might protect, that are protecting the floors that might someday be yours. Now, the sellers love that. The sellers instantly have the laugh when they read it. It's a bit of a limerick, right? And they'll appreciate the fact that, you know, the brochures are right there. And here's the other thing. The brochure, there's a new uh, widget you can get, and this came out last year, where you literally put – I'm not making this up, guys. You literally put your foot in this little electronic device and, like, shrink wraps your shoe with your foot still in it. So if I were selling real estate, I would buy a bunch of those and reserve those for my high-end sellers because, again, it makes the sellers feel really um, – it, it makes them show – you're showing them that they respect the house. You're showing them that you're trying to make the experience the prospective buyers will have on a different level. And think about the psychology from the buyer side. So here's somebody that's tromped through houses all day, and all of a sudden they walk into a house, and the seller loves this house so much they want you to put shoe covers on. These tiny little things make a huge difference, obviously in the eyes of the buyers, but also in the eyes of the sellers, because they can see how detail-oriented you are and how different you are. These things, the accumulation of all these extra little things, that's what makes for extraordinary service. So we're going to pick up where we left off on Friday talking about these points. Tomorrow I have a really great outline, I'm sorry, a great interview, a surprise guest. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Um, so that's going to be tomorrow. The point with all this information with regards to your seller communication plan, guys, is that you have to have a checklist. If you use paper, that's fine. You don't have, I mean, if, you don't, if you're not using a digital CRM, take the points that we're writing down. Create your own checklist. Your broker certainly would have had a checklist as far as paperwork. So merge those two checklists and literally have a master checklist. 
And then what you should do is make it so that inside your deal folders, when you open up your deal folder, the checklist should be there. This is assuming you're not using a, you know, a, uh, an online CRM. And then after the task is done, a, a check is literally checked by the activity and then the initials of somebody, if you have folks working with you that actually did it. That's how you basically start to make a system and you can start handling more and more listings. So we're going to talk about this more on Friday. If you guys need us for anything, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Remember, guys, request your free coaching call at FreeCoachingCallsForAgents.com. And when you do, you get, our six, you get six of our books for free. You get Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate, your 12-week seller community – I'm sorry, your 12-week lead generation – or 12-monthly generation plan, sorry. Um, you get, uh, let's see, Real Estate Treasure Map. I mean, there's just fantastic stuff. And all you've got to do is just go to TimAndJulieHarris.com. Some of you are there right now listening to this podcast. Just fill out that little box. It's there. And when you do that, you are also entitled to a free coaching call with one of our new member coaches. If you need me for anything, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.